0: We will be following a Bible reading calendar that provides for reading the whole Bible in a year that was created by Minister Robert Murray McShane for his congregation back in 1842, and that has been a part of my daily reading for over six years now. Good morning and welcome to the Tuesday morning, October 4th, 2022 episode of the Faith Comes from Hearing podcast. I'm Wayne Floyd, your host. This is a podcast that is dedicated to the public reading of the Word of God, along with the reading of prayers and devotions, Um, and also every once in a while, my input on things of the day, um, and I will do my best to ensure they're coming from a biblical point of view, from a biblical worldview. Um, Our prayers are from the Valley of Vision, which is a collection of Puritan prayers, the devotion is from Charles Haddon Spurgeon's Morning and Evening. We'll be doing the morning devotion. Um, also with the prayers, we'll be doing the morning daily prayer from there. And I'll explain that as we get to it. Uh, our Bible reading is from the Legacy Standard Bible. We use that um, that translation because it is the most texturally accurate. It's a relatively new one, but it's the most textually accurate translation to the original documents. Um, I will include in the show notes links to everything i'm reading i actually read online when i'm when i'm recording here because the print's bigger easier to read um, and easier to read for this kind of thing Um, but at the same time i would encourage you to get the hard copies and there will also be links to those hard copies to those resources um, in the show notes and i would definitely encourage you to get them Um, As I've said before, I do not have a hard copy of the Legacy Standard, though I do have it in some of my sermon preparation software. Um, I just don't have a hard copy yet, Um, but the wife and I are working on that. Um, So we're going to go ahead and get started. Uh, I have a full day, and I'm sure you have a full day, Um, and I'm very, very happy to share this time with you, share this part of my morning routine, which is kind of the purpose of this. Uh, While we're dedicated... (coughs) to the public reading of the Word of God and prayer and devotion. The purpose of that is that more and more in this world, I, I've come to realize that I need this every morning. Thus, I've developed this pattern, and it kind of came to my mind that I, I know that Christians out there are struggling to find the time, or, or, or to make the time maybe is a better way to put it, to make the time, to do their public, to do their reading, to do, you know, spend some time in prayer, to to do devotions. Um, and and I thought this would be a way for you and I to do it together. I, I hope it's useful for you. I, I know that when I do it, when I make this a regular part of my morning routine, seven days a week, it doesn't make life easy, but it helps me to main, maintain a more godly focus in my walk every day. It, it helps me to be to behave in a more Christian manner. Um, it helps me to keep my eyes on the things of God, not the things of this world, um, which which becomes more and more, more and more difficult as we go on um, with the uh, with everything that we're been being bombarded with through media and everything else. It, it can be very, very hard to walk a godly path. Um, And, and the further days we go down the road, the more pagan it becomes, the more like Sodom and Gomorrah, the things of this world become, and uh, it does make it hard. So this, this tends to help me each morning. So, which is why I wanted to share it with you. So I definitely would pray that it, it will edify you and equip you. And that for the unbeliever, that It can start focusing you more and more on thinking about the things of God and that that would prepare your heart for the work of the Holy Spirit. It would bring you to a point where you would hit your knees in humility and beg God to send the Holy Spirit to do a work of regeneration in your heart and bring you to a saving faith in Christ. I would definitely pray that that would happen. Well, like I said, I know I've got a busy day and I'm sure you do. So let's go ahead and get rolling with our reading. Uh, as is our regular practice each morning, we start with three to four prayers out of the Valley of Vision. And the first two are we do every day. They are resting on God and grace and trials, and they've tended to very much help remind me that God is sovereign. He has ordained all that is going on, and that as one of His children, it reminds me that. Any and all that goes on, whether I understand it or not, he means for my good, for my spiritual good, which definitely brings a bit of peace and hope and relieves the anxiety and stress that is very, very quickly comes from this world every day. So let's get going. We're going to start with Resting on God. (coughs) Excuse me. Oh God, most high, most glorious, the thought of thine infinite serenity cheers me For I am toiling and moiling, troubled and distressed. But thou art forever at perfect peace. Thy designs cause thee no fear or care of unfulfillment. They stand fast as the eternal hills. Thy power knows no bond. Thy goodness no stint. Thou bringest order out of confusion. And my defeats are thy victories. The Lord God omnipotent reigneth. I come to thee as a sinner with cares and sorrows, To leave every concern entirely to thee every sin calling for Christ's precious blood. Revive deep spirituality in my heart. Let me live near to the great shepherd. Hear his voice, know its tones, follow its calls. Keep me from deception by causing me to abide in the truth, from harm by helping me to walk in the power of the Spirit. Give me intenser faith in the eternal verities, burning into me by experience the things I know. Let me never be ashamed of the truth of the gospel, that I may bear its reproach, vindicate it, see Jesus as its essence. Know in it the power of the Spirit. Lord, help me, for I am often lukewarm and chill. Unbelief marks my confidence. Sin makes me forget thee. Let the weeds that grow in my soul be cut at their roots. Grant me to know that I truly live only when I live to thee, that all else is trifling. Thy presence alone can make me holy, devout, strong, and happy. Abide in me, gracious God. And now, Grace in Trials. Father of mercies, hear me for Jesus' sake. I am sinful even in my closest walk with thee. It is of thy mercy I died not long ago. Thy grace has given me faith in the cross, by which thou hast reconciled thyself to me and me to thee. Drawing me by thy great love, reckoning me as innocent in Christ, though guilty in myself. Giver of all graces, I look to thee for strength to maintain them in me, for it is hard to practice what I believe. Strengthen me against temptations. My heart is an unexhausted fountain of sin, a river of corruption since childhood days, flowing on in every pattern of behavior. Thou hast disarmed me of the means in which I trusted, and I have no strength but in thee. Thou alone canst hold back my evil ways, but without thy grace to sustain me, I fall. Satan's darts quickly inflame me, and the shield that should quench them easily drops from my hand. Empower me against his wiles and assaults. Keep me sensible of my weakness, and of my dependence upon thy strength. Let every trial teach me more of thy peace, more of thy love. Thy Holy Spirit is given to increase thy graces, and I cannot preserve or improve them unless he works continually in me. May he confirm my trust in thy promised help, and let me walk humbly in dependence upon thee. For Jesus' sake, amen. And now the third day morning prayer. (coughs) And as I indicated, I would definitely encourage you to also read the evening prayer for the third day, obviously this evening. So the third day morning prayer. God, creator and controller. Most High God, the universe with all its myriad creatures is thine, made by thy word, upheld by thy power, governed by thy will. But thou art also the Father of mercies, the God of all grace, the bestower of all comfort, the protector of the saved. Thou hast been mindful of us, hast visited us, <clears throat> preserved us, given us a goodly heritage the holy scriptures, the joyful gospel, the Savior of souls. We come to thee in Jesus' name. Make mention of his righteousness only. Plead his obedience and sufferings, who magnified the law, both in its precepts and penalty, and made it honorable. May we be justified by his blood, saved by his life, joined to his spirit. Let us take up his cross and follow him. May the agency of thy grace prepare us for thy dispensations. Make us willing that thou shouldst choose our inheritance and determine what we shall retain or lose, suffer or enjoy. If blessed with prosperity, may we be free from its snares and use, not abuse, its advantages. May we patiently and cheerfully submit to those afflictions which are necessary. When we are tempted to wander, hedge up our way. Excite in us abhorrence of sin. Wean us from the present evil world. Assure us that we shall at last enter Emmanuel's land, where none is ever sick, and the sun will always shine. Amen. <coughs> Alright, excuse me. Um, I'm going to take a drink of tea here. <sighs> yeah, I decided on tea this morning instead of coffee. Kind of need my Turmeric, ashwagandha, knees giving me an issue. All right. So our devotion this morning, from again, as I said, from Spurgeon's, Spurgeon's morning and evening. Uh, this is the morning, October fourth article. The text for it is Ze- Zechariah fourteen seven. But it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord, not day nor night, but it shall come to pass that at evening time it shall be light. <clears throat> Oftentimes oftentimes, we look forward with forebodings to the time of old age, forgetful that at eventide, eventide it shall be light. To many saints, old age is the choicest season in their lives. A balmier air fans the mariner's cheek as he nears the shore of immortality. Fewer waves ruffle his sea. Quiet rains, deep, still, and solemn. From the altar of age, the flashes of the fire of youth are gone, but the more real flame of earnest feeling remains. The pilgrims have reached the land Beulah, that happy country whose days are as the days of heaven upon earth. Angels visit it. Celestial gales blow over it. Flowers of paradise grow in it, and the air is filled with seraphic music. Some dwell here for years and others come to it but a few hours before their departure, but it is an Eden on earth. We may well long for the time when we shall recline in its shady groves, and be satisfied with hope until the time of fruition comes. The setting sun seems larger than when aloft in the sky, and a splendor of glory tinges all the clouds which surround his going down. Pain breaks not the calm of the sweet twilight of age, For strength made perfect in weakness, bears up with patience under it all. Ripe fruits of choice experience are, I'm sorry, ripe fruits of choice experience are gathered as the rare repast of life's evening, and the soul prepares itself for rest. The Lord's people shall also enjoy light in the hour of death. Unbelief laments, the shadows fall, the night is coming, existence is ending. Ah, no ah no crieth faith the night is far spent the true day is at hand light is come the light of immortality the light of a father's countenance gather up thy feet in the bed see the waiting bands of spirits angels waft thee away farewell beloved one thou art gone that wavest thine hand ha ah, now it is light the pearly gates are open the golden streets shine in the jasper light. We cover our eyes, but thou beholdest the unseen. Adieu, brother. Thou hast light at eventide, such as we have not yet. Amen. What a wonderful, wonderful article about the uh, later years of a believer's life. All right. <clears throat> get some more tea. I don't know what's going on with the phlegm and the throat thing. All right. And we're going to do our scripture readings from uh, Robert Murray McShane's uh, Read the Bible in a Year plan that he put together for his uh, congregation back in the 19th century. Uh, As I've said before, this is one that I've used for at least six years now that I've used this along with another plan that I use. Um, And it has been very, very helpful. Um, But he realized that, that his that his congregation was struggling to spend more time in the word, trying to figure out how. And so he wrote this out for them. And it's nice because we have the plan and we actually have the documentation of the letter he wrote to them as a preface to this plan, explaining what its use was for. So here we go. First, uh, So our chapters for today are 1 Kings 7, Ephesians 4, Ezekiel 37, and Psalm 87 and 88. So first King seven. Now Solomon built his ha- own house thirteen years, and he completed all his house, and he built the house of the forest of Lebanon. Its length was a 100 cubits, its width 50 cubits, and its height 30 cubits on four rows of cedar pillars with cedar beams on the pillars. And it was paneled with cedar above the side chambers, which were on the 45 pillars, 15 in each row. Now there were artistic window frames in three rows, And and window was opposite window in three ranks, and all the doorways and doorposts had squared artistic frames, and window was opposite window in three ranks. Then he made the hall of pillars, its length was fifty cubits, and its width thirty cubits, and a porch was in front of them, and pillars and a threshold in front of them. And he made the hall of the throne where he was to judge, the hall of judgment, and it was paneled with cedar from floor to floor. Now his house where he was to live, the other court inward from the hall, was of the same workmanship. He also made a house like this hall for Pharaoh's daughter whom Solomon had married. All these were of precious stones, of stone cut according to measure, sawed by saws, inside and outside, even from the foundation to the coping, and so on the outside to the great court. And the foundation was of precious stones, even large stones stones of ten cubits, and stones of eight cubits, and above were precious stones, stone cut according to measure, and cedar. So the great court all around had three rows of cut stone and a row of cedar beams, even as the inner court of the house of Yahweh and the porch of the house. Then King Solomon sent and brought Hiram from Tyre. He was a widow's son from the tribe of Naphtali, and his father was a man of Tyre, a worker in bronze, and he was filled with wisdom and discernment and knowledge to do any work in bronze. So he came to King Solomon and did all his work, and he fashioned the two pillars of bronze. Eighteen cubits was the height of one pillar, and a line of twelve cubits measured the circumference of both. He also made two capitals of molten bronze to set on top of the pillars. The height of the one capital was five cubits, <clears throat> and, the, <clears throat> sorry, and the height of the other capital was five cubits. There were nuts of net, of network and twisted threads of chain work for the capitals, which were on the top of the pillars, seven for the one capital and seven for the other capital. So he made the pillars and two rows around on the one network to cover the capitals, which were on the top of the pomegranates. And so he did for the other capital. Now the capitals, which were on the top of the pillars in the porch, were of lily design, four cubits. And there were capitals on the two pillars, even right above the rounded projection, which was on the one side of the network, and the pomegranates numbered 200 in rows around both capitals. Thus, he set up the pillars at the porch of the nave, and he set up the right pillar and named it Jachin. And he set up the left pillar and named it Boaz. And on the top of the pillars was lily design. So the work of the pillars was finished. And he made the sea of cast metal, ten cubits from brim to brim, circular in form, and its height was five cubits, and thirty cubits in its circumference. Now under its brim, gourds went around, encircling it ten to a cubit, entirely encircling the sea. The gourds were in two rows, two rows, cast with the sea when it was cast. It stood on twelve oxen, three facing north, three facing west, three facing south, and three facing east, and the sea was set on top of them, and all their rear parts turned inward. And it was a hand thick, and its brim was made like the brim of a cup, as a lily blossom, it could hold two thousand baths. Then he made the ten stands of bronze, the length of each stand was, stand was four cubits, and its width four cubits, and its height three cubits. Now this was the workmanship of the stands. They had borders, even borders between the frames. And on the borders which were between the frames were lions, oxen, and cherubim. And on the frames there was a pedestal above, and beneath the lions and oxen were wreaths of hanging work. Now each stand had four bronze wheels with bronze axles, and its four feet had supports. Beneath the laver were cast supports with wreaths at each side. And its opening inside the capital, at the top, was a cubit, and its opening was round like the workmanship of a pedestal, a cubit and a half. And also on its opening there were engravings, and their borders were squared, not round. And the four wheels were underneath the borders, and the axles of the wheels were on the stand, and the height of a wheel was a cubit and a half. Now the workmanship of the wheels was like the workmanship of a chariot wheel. Their axles, their rims, their spokes, and their hubs were all cast. Now there were four supports at the four corners of each stand. Its its supports were part of the stand itself. And on the top of the stand, there was a circular form half a cubit high. And on the top of the stand, its stays and its borders were part of it. And he engraved on the plates of its stays and on its borders, cherubim, lions, and palm trees, according to the clear space on each, with wreath all around. He made the ten stands like this. All of them had one casting, one measure and one form. He also made ten lavers of bronze. One laver held forty baths. Each laver was four cubits, and on each of the ten stands was one laver. Then he set the stands, five on the right side of the house and five on the left side of the house, and he set the sea of cast metal on the right side of the house, eastward toward the south. And Hiram made the lavers and the shovels and the bowls. So Hiram completed doing all the work that he did for King Solomon in the house of Yahweh, the two pillars and the two bowls of the capitals, which were on the top of the two pillars and the two networks to cover the two bowls of the capitals, which were on the top of the pillars and the 400 pomegranates for the two networks, two rows of pomegranates for each network to cover the two bowls of the capitals, which were on the tops of the pillars. And the ten stands with the ten lavers on the stands, and the one sea, and the twelve oxen under the sea, and the pots, and the shovels, and the bowls, and all these utensils which Hiram made for King Solomon in the house of Yahweh were of polished bronze. On the plain of the Jordan the king cast them, in the clay ground between Succoth and Zarethan, and Solomon left all the utensils unweighed, because they were too many. The weight of the bronze could not be found out. Solomon also made all the furniture which was in the house of Yahweh, the golden altar, and the golden table on which was the bread of the presence, and the lampstands, five on the right side, and five on the left, in front of the inner sanctuary, of pure gold, and the flowers, and the lamps, and the tongs of gold, and the cups, and the snuffers, and the bowls, and the spoons, and the firepans of pure gold, and the hinges both for the doors of the inner house the Holy of Holies, and for the doors of the house, that is, of the nave of gold. Thus all the work that King Solomon did in the house of Yahweh was finished. And Solomon brought in the things set apart as holy by his father David, the silver and the gold and the utensils, and he put them in the treasuries of the house of Yahweh. All right. Hang on a minute. I'm going to take some tea here. All right. Ephesians four. Um, this is the second half of Ephesians. This is where uh, the apostle Paul starts speaking of the practice that the Christian church and the Christian individual should enact if they are if they are truly called. Therefore, I, the prisoner in the Lord, exhort you to walk worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, being diligent to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, And he gave gifts to men. Now, this expression, he ascended, what does it mean, except that he also descended into the lowest parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also. He is is himself also he who ascended far above all the heavens, so that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the Saints I'm sorry and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the Saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the full knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ so that we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men by craftiness and deceitful scheming but speaking the truth in love we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head that is Christ from whom the whole body being joined and held together by what every joint supplies according to the properly measured working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love therefore this I say and testify in the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk and the futility of their mind, being darkened in their mind, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves, themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way if indeed you heard him, and were taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, to lay aside, in reference to your former conduct, the old man, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and to put on the new man, which which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, Speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry, and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth but only such a word as is good for building up what is needed, so that it will give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and anger and wrath and shouting and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Instead, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, graciously forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has graciously forgiven you. All right, now Ezekiel 37. The hand of Yahweh was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of Yahweh, and caused me to rest in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. He caused me to pass among all them, among them all around, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. He said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord, Lord Yahweh, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over the bones, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of Yahweh. Thus says Lord Yahweh to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, that you may come to life. I will put sinews on you, make flesh come upon you, cover you with skin, and put breath in you, that you may come alive, and you will know that I am Yahweh. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold a rumbling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, sinews were on them, and flesh came up upon them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says Lord Yahweh, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these who were killed, that they may come to life. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they came to life and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great military force. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up, and our hope has perished. We are completely cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says Lord Yahweh, Behold, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves. My people, come up out of your graves, my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am Yahweh, when I have opened your graves and caused you to come up out of your graves, my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you will come to life, and I will place you on your own land. Then you will know that I, Yahweh, have spoken and done it, declares Yahweh. The word of Yahweh came again to me, saying, now as for you, son of man, take for yourself one stick, and ride on it, for Judah, and for the sons of Israel, his companions. Then take another stick, and ride it on it, for Joseph, the stick of Ephraim, and all the house of Israel, his companions. Then draw them together for yourselves, one to another, into one stick, that they may become one in your hand. And when the sons of, Isra- uh, sons of your people speak to you, saying, Will you not declare to us what you mean by these? say to them thus says lord yahweh behold i will take the stick of joseph which is in the hand of ephraim and the tribes of israel his companions and i will put them with it with the stick of judah and make them one stick and they will be one in my hand and the sticks on which you write will be in your hand before their eyes and speak to them thus says lord yahweh behold i will take the sons of israel from among the nations where they have gone, and I will gather them from every side, and bring them into their own land. And I will make them one nation in the land, on the mountains of Israel, and one king will be king for all of them. And they will no longer be two nations, and no longer be divided into two kingdoms. They also will no longer defile themselves with their idols, or with their detestable things, or with any of their transgressions. But I will save them from all their places of habitation, in which they have sinned, And I will cleanse them, and they will be my people, and I will be their God. And my servant David will be king over them, and they will all have one shepherd, and they will walk in my judgments, and keep my statutes, and do them. They will inhabit the land that I gave to Jacob, my servant, which your fathers inhabited, and they will inhabit it, they and their sons and their sons' sons, forever. And David, my servant, will be their prince forever and I will cut a covenant of peace with them. It will be an everlasting covenant with them, and I will give them the land and multiply them and will set my sanctuary in their midst forever. My dwelling place also will be with them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. And the nations will know that I am Yahweh who sanctifies Israel when my sanctuary is in their midst forever. All right, Psalm 87. His foundation is in the holy mountains. Yahweh loves the gates of Zion. More than all the dwelling places of, jo- of Jacob. Glorious things are spoken of you, O city of God. I shall mention Rahab and Babylon among those who know me. Behold Philistia and Tyre with Ethiopia. This one was born there. But of Zion, it shall be said, this one and that one were born in her. And the Most High himself will establish her. Yahweh will count when he registers the peoples. This one was born there. And the singers, just like the dancers, will all say, All my springs are in you. And now, Psalm 88. O Yahweh, the God of my salvation, I have cried out by day and throughout the night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry of lamentation. For my soul has been saturated with calamities, and my life has reached Sheol. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like a man without strength, released among the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, and they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the pit far below, in dark places in the depths. Your wrath lies upon me, and you you afflict me with all your breaking waves. You have removed my acquaintances far from me. You have set me as an abomination to them. I am shut up and cannot go out. My eye has wasted away because of affliction. I have called upon you every day, O Yahweh. I have spread out my hands to you. Will you do wonders for the dead? Will the departed spirits rise and praise you? Will your loving kindness be recounted in the grave? Your faithfulness in Abaddon, Will your wonders be known in the darkness, and your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? But as for me, O Yahweh, I have cried out to you for help, and in the morning my prayer comes before you. O Yahweh, why do you reject my soul? Why do you hide your face from me? I have been afflicted and about to breathe my last from my youth on. I bear your terrors, I am overcome. Your burning anger has passed over me. Your horrors have destroyed me. They have surrounded me like water all day long. They have encompassed me altogether. You have removed lover and friend far from me. My acquaintances are in darkness. Amen. All right. And that is our reading for the day. Again, I hope that uh, this time we spend together is beneficial for you, um, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, that, that uh, it helps you in your walk. Uh, for the believer, obviously, it helps us we, I would pray that it would help us to maintain a more Christian walk to, to more and more each day, um, that our Christ would, would, or our walk would resemble the walk of Christ. Um, it would be the Christian walk that we saw there in Ephesians four. This is Paul starting to talk about the Christian walk and he actually breaks it down into different walks. Um, you'll end up seeing the walk of spirit um, the walk of peace, the walk of, and I, I don't remember them. Well, I preached on them years ago, um, so it's been a little while. Um, but you see him starting to put forward that, um, talking about putting on the new man, getting off, taking off the old, and putting on the new man. Um, that that is what I hope this does for you, and for the unbeliever. Truly, I know how hard it is to get your head out of the things of the world, and believe me, I am, I am. A horrific example of that. That I'm constantly struggling because there are so many things in the world. Um, I'm a tech nerd. Um, I'm a. I'm a. Well, shoot, let's fess up. Um, I'm a Star Wars, Star Trek nerd. I used to be a fantasy nerd. You know, all those kind of things. Um, and so, yeah. stuff stuff will catch my eye. Actually, lately I've. I've gotten into looking, being a Navy veteran, um, looking at sailing stuff. It, not that I will ever own a sailboat, but I've always thought it would be neat to go, to go and truly sail, um, especially blue water sail. I will never end up doing it. I, 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 I could never convince myself to spend the money for it, but it interests me. But it becomes very, very easy for those things to become idols to us and to pull us away from the things of God. And for the believer and the unbeliever both, We've got to be more in the things of God, because I'm going to say it again. Ten out of ten people die, and ten out of ten people face judgment. We will all face judgment. It is given man, given to man to die once, and then judgment. Okay? Scripture is very clear on that. And we will all face judgment. And the only difference between the believer and the unbeliever is that the believer has Christ as his advocate. The believer, because they truly believe, Christ has already paid the price for their sins. It's not that God ignores the sin. It's not that God writes off the sin. It's that it's been paid for by the sacrifice of Christ. He took every bit of wrath you and I deserve if if we're believers. He took that wrath and draped us in his sinless white robes so that we could stand before God in a position of being holy and blameless, even though we're not that he says this one is mine and part of that then the 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 action that happens after salvation after coming to a saving faith is that we start that's that's the ephesians 4 5 and 6. it speaks of how we should behave so that our walk comes closer and closer to that place of where we are positionally holy and blameless blameless so that our walk in this world comes closer and closer to that point of being holy and blameless. Yeah, we're human. We're never going to perfectly hit that until glory, until we pass and join Christ at the right hand of God. But without saving faith in Christ, without Christ, and Christ only We face judgment alone and there is no amount of quote good works we can do in this world that will earn us a pass. We either face an eternity with Christ through a saving faith in Christ or we face an eternity in hell facing the wrath of God. And there is nothing more. There should be nothing more terrified to all humanity than facing are being put in the hands of a just God, not that God is terrifying, but that without that advocate, without that saving faith in Christ, we face exactly what we deserve, the wrath of God. So I would beg you today, and this is true for believers and unbelievers, that that we be on our knees begging forgiveness, that we be on our knees in true humility, putting down the pride that this world keeps telling us to pick up, that we be on our knees in abject humility and true knowledge of the radical depravity. And when I say that, that, dep- as I've said before, that depravity that, 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 that just enmeshes that, that runs through every part of our being because of our human nature, because of that sin nature that we hit our knees and true knowledge of that. As I've said before, a friend of mine's email address, fetid ponds scum in true knowledge that we are fetid ponds scum and will always be fetid ponds scum outside the great of grace of God. And thus we would beg forgiveness, that we would beg God to send the Holy Spirit to do a work of regeneration in us, to do as Ezekiel spoke of a couple of days ago when we read to remove that heart of stone and put in us a heart of flesh so that we can be shaped and molded by the work of the Holy Spirit and have a saving faith in Christ. I would pray and beg that you and I, that all of us would come to that point. And I say that because I love you. I do. I love you. And it would be so unloving for me to go. Hey, yeah, you're pretty good. You're doing okay. Yeah, you're better than that guy. Yeah, you're all right. Yeah, I'm, yeah, you're a pretty good guy. You're a pretty good girl. You're, you know, pretty good lady. I No. What is loving is telling you exactly what you are, not in anger or ugliness or meanness, but in love. And I, and I say that having done the exact same thing to myself. So this isn't from me standing up on a soapbox looking down at you. This is me down on my knees in the muck, begging you to join me there so that we truly, truly come to a saving faith in Christ so that on Judgment Day, Christ stands with us and so that we go on to eternity. As Spurgeon's Um, article said this morning, speaking of the old in faith, as they're coming towards their last days, knowing that it's only the beginning, that they're going on into eternity. Are you kidding? I mean, the only thing, and this is weird because it used to really freak me out, but the only thing that worries me about passing away especially as early as it would be for me if I did, though I have a lot of risk factors, is what, how it would leave my family, how tough it would leave life on my family. But the more and more I walk this walk, the more and more I identify with Paul, where he said to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Because to die, he's with his Savior and with his Father God. And just the thought of that I, I, it brings me to tears. It's amazing. But without a saving faith in Christ, that is not our hope. So I would beg you to truly, truly put down the things of this world. And truly delve in the, into the things of God. And pray and beg him to come do a work in you. All right. Let's go ahead and pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we are so blessed to have gotten together this morning, to have gotten to spend this time in your word and with prayers and, uh, and and the devotion. And Lord, we would pray that this time together would truly do a work in all of us, would truly prepare us, would shape us, would set us for the day, um, would point us forward to walk in a true Christian walk. Um, And for those that are unbelievers that are listening, we we would pray for them, that they would be able to come, they would be able to put down the pride of this world, which is so hard to fight off, and they would be brought to a point of humility where they would truly beg you to do a work in them. Lord, we would pray that we go forward today, that we would truly be witnesses of your love and of your honor and of your glory. And Lord, we would continue to pray for those who have been impacted by hurricane, tropical storm, whatever it ended up being, Ian, um, there have been so many deaths and so much destruction. And Lord, we would pray for them both for their physical well-being, but also, and more importantly, for their spiritual well-being, that your honor and glory would be shown, that you would be glorified throughout all those impacted areas and through all that goes on around this. In your name we pray, amen. All right, you go have yourself a great day. I actually ran longer than I meant to, but I hope you have a wonderful day, and God willing, we'll see you tomorrow. Uh, Remember, when you go out there in the world today, do all that you do for the glory of God. Have a great one. God bless.